Properties is the complex creation brought to you by Infinitely Complex Production and sponsorship with Peacefully Flawed Apparel, where we believe that no matter the darkness, you have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Thank you for tuning in to the Poetic Property Podcast. I am your host, Complex the Poet, father, author, and entrepreneur. It's another long week of emotions, meditating, and uh, daily healing. I was focusing on separating uh, what's the depression and what's my true emotions of it all. Um, this is a, a, a roller coaster of everything, you know, like dealing with my kids, dealing with relationships, dealing with work. It's just, it's a lot. Um, and I wouldn't change it for the world because it's a part of my journey, right? I say often we gotta go through something to get somewhere, and I mean that wholeheartedly because without the the mistake, without the trauma, without the trials, tribulations, like we don't we don't grow. And it's like I said before, it's unfortunate that pain, loss, you know, uh, struggle is the catalyst to move to the next level. Um, and it becomes a very difficult thing to get through when you are trying to heal and you're trying to be progressive and you know trying to change the world, for lack of other words. Um, I've been extremely tired. It's this overcast of fog that seems to follow me week by week. And it's crazy to me because I really be going out of my way to make sure that, you know, I'm trying to heal for real. Like I, I go out of my way to make sure that I'm staying away from, you know, negativity, staying out of the way, staying out of people's business so that I can um, have a clear mind. Right. Have a clear mind to do the things that I need to do to make myself better, make my family better. Um, but it's difficult. It's difficult. It's like towards the beginning of the week, like, of course, Monday's Monday. Um, and typically I'm I'm exhausted still from the weekend, not like I'll be doing anything, but uh, just the frustration of having to get up and work for someone else is exhausting, especially when you're the one doing the work, but you really kind of have no say so of the change that happens in the company. Um, it's very, very frustrating because you can see stuff because you're the ones working certain things. You can see stuff that needs to be changed, but when you're dealing with corporate America, it's just, they see it one way. Like, even though that they're not in the trenches, they, they look at it from um, how they can maximize a dollar more than they look at, okay, what's really going on? How can we maximize the quality of work? Um, how can we retain employees by treating them fairly and stuff like that? So it's just very difficult having these meetings and and seeing stuff change how it does and knowing that, you know, like I always say, I have an option to quit, you know, because nobody's holding a gun in my hand, making me stay at in this field or at the job or whatever. But again, you know, I got kids. If it was just me, I would have been gone. Like, I going to have dreams and aspirations and, you know, the nine to five funds the bigger picture right now. So it's just, it, it's just a headache in itself, just getting up, working for someone in general, 
because it's not the actual job and that's what frustrates me a lot of times because the work is cool dealing with patients when I the when I have to deal with patients um it's cool it's just the environment the nitpicking the the constant want for change at the last minute and you know as an employee you're supposed to just deal with it and it's very difficult like what I always say listen if it don't go against my morals, if it doesn't land me on the blacklist of, um, of health care, um, if my freedom is not at stake, this is your this is your company. You pay me to do a job. I'm going to do it how you want it done, regardless of if that shit wrong or not. Right. So it was just a frustrating, uh, a frustrating week and it's constant. Right. But like I like I said, I think a few podcasts ago. I'm in the uh, early stages of transitioning out of my particular job, meaning that I'm putting in place things that I believe if I remain consistent in, if I remain um, diligent in, it'll be the thing that gives me freedom from working for anybody. And it'll put me in position to, you know, do what I was put on earth to do, you know, serve my purpose to the people. So I don't concern myself too much anymore with the day-to-day situations of work. Like, I'll really be staying out of it unless they bring it to me, right? Like, I mind my business. Like, even when I'm doing the meetings, like, I used to be, like, not, you know, interrupt, but I was one of them people that I felt like, you know, I got to speak up. Right. Because everybody keeps telling me this and keeps telling me that and they feel like this and they feel like that. But they too scared to speak up. I've never been scared to speak my mind or speak my piece, however you want to say it. But. When you are that way and it's like, I'm going to speak my piece regardless and no change come, the next option is to leave. And because I'm not in a position to leave, it's certain things that I just don't get involved in. Right. That job is not that serious to me. I'm, I'm there to do a service. I'm going to give you the service that you pay for, nothing more, nothing less. I'm not here to be personal with anybody or allow people to be personal with me, right? When it comes to work, you have to, you have to differentiate where you as the human being, the man or woman, um, stand versus the employee, right? Because people will start talking to you kind of crazy uh, in those environments, assuming that, you know, that you're not going to speak up for me. If it's work related, you can say what you want to. Right. You could critique my work. You could um, tell me I'm doing a bad or good job. Like I won't. It, it is what it is. But the moment you approach me on some man to man type stuff or you you your reprimand goes beyond um, work then I'm going to say something because what we're not going to do is um, create a bullying situation or create a, a situation where you demean me as a as a human being um, because I work for you, you know, and I, I don't really be I don't care about a lot of stuff. Right. Fire me. I don't I don't care. Uh, I'll I'll deal with that if, if that comes. So just having these emotions and feeling about work where your voice isn't heard, um, it really adds to your, your, your elements while dealing with, with um, mental health, right? A lot of us go into work super stressed, not liking what we do, but just we understand that 
It's the job that we chose, and so we got to fight through it. And I used to complain a lot. I hate this job. They get on my nerves. You know, all this high school behavior, yada, yada, whatever. But I was doing that without no, without looking for other jobs, without, you know, uh, going into my passion or looking into it. I, it was just complaining at first. But now it's just, you know, I'm venting because I'm not just sitting anymore. I'm not just saying I don't like this place and then just going to work to tell people I don't like this place. I don't even tell people that I like or dislike my job really on a day to day. Um, unless you're close to me for real, for real, unless you work with me and one of my uh, cool coworkers, you don't really know how. Like, I'm very professional until I'm not. And so the first the 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 first half of the week, everything was was okay. Um, I took two half days or whatever, but like by midweek I had come in, I had a, a report that I had to do with no explanation of who was in charge of the report, where the stuff came from, how I was supposed to do it. So I'm just working on the fly. And then like, you know, uh, I think Thursday, so uh, a day and a half or, or, or two days at that point, um, because like I said, I worked half days, then they come with instructions. So now it's like, I got to go back to redo whatever it is that they assigned me because they wanted it done a specific way but didn't tell me that. And so I was annoyed about that and I'm just like, this is this is dumb. It's like, I, I hate I hate chaos. I hate other people's chaos because my chaos is literally just my kids yelling, screaming and getting on my nerves. But when I interact with people and they bring me chaos, it's, it's difficult. And like, I, I, don't, I don't be understanding people a lot of times and why they want things to be, you know, a certain way that doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't, it, it just don't. And so by midweek, I was over it. I was over it. I felt like I was lost in the middle of nowhere without a compass because it's tiresome. And if you guys have been, you know, listening to the podcast, you know, you know, over the past month, like every week I've been um, switched to something else. First, I'm, I'm messing this up. And they take me off. But then when I really dig down deep and listen, you know, and finally look at the questions and stuff that I'm asking them and telling them, hey, this is what we, this is what we should be doing. Then it's like, all right, well, we're going to put you over here to clean this up. Right. And then it's like, all right, well, I don't know about that. Let's let's clean this up. And it's like, I'm fine with that. But just give me time to to switch. And that's how stuff happens in life. Like it's just it's hit after hit after hit. And you don't have time to breathe. And for me, it's difficult. Not saying it's not difficult for anybody else, but where, you know, my one of my mental hangups is not being prepared. So when I'm caught off guard or it's last minute, it creates a, a high level of anxiety. And that anxiety turns into frustration and it presents itself as anger. And I'm not an angry person anymore. I tell people a lot of times, you know, I grew up, in a time where violence was acceptable. And a lot of times it went uncorrected. Violence and negativity and chaos, it's easy for me to be a part of it. It's easy for me to jump in and just not care because morally it's not wrong to me because that's how I grew up. It took me to want to be nice and want me to be okay and want to deal with people in a positive manner, and I had to work on that. 
I had to work on fixing my face. I had to work on, you know, not so much um, having a, like, uh, how can I say it? Like, my resting face looks very uh, aggressive. But I'm as gentle as they come. I'm a, I'm, I'm a provider. I'm a protector. But I'm very gentle. It's one of those things that um, my responses are always, like, I always overcompensate the response when it comes to aggression. Because I'm really gentle, and I don't want to be aggressive. So I have to let you know, like, where I'm willing to take it. As gentle as I am is as ag aggressive as I am. So it's like, don't bring that out of me because I'm not scared of you. I'm scared of me and my reaction. And I really try to deal with people with that thought in mind. So I'm overly respectful. I'm overly patient. Like I've been saying for years, patience, purpose, order. I had to do that for myself. And I had to start speaking that to myself because I'm quick to respond. And we all know that first response is not always the best response. And I realized that behavior and that quick response and aggression, it did me a disservice. It hurt me more than it helped, regardless of what it looked like in the moment. And so I carry that with me. I carry that patience, purpose, or I carry it with me in every single thing that I do because when I'm responding to things, I want it to be the correct response. Or let me not say correct response. I want to deliver it from a place of peace. My response could not be a correct response in your eyes, but I'm going to respond how I feel like I need to respond. And, you know, whether it's, whether it's a good or bad, I'm going to check myself. I'm going to realize, you know, I'm going to realize what's wrong. I'm going to realize that I need to apologize. I'm going to realize I shouldn't have said it like that before you ever do. I'm at a place in my life now to where I'm not arguing. And it comes off as me being nonchalant or it comes off as uh, as me not caring. But really, it's just I don't I don't really want to argue. I don't I don't for what. Right. Like I don't argue with people at work because one, I could get fired at the drop of a hat. For one, for two, I don't own that company. I am not about to be putting my personal emotions into these conversations with y'all for real. As I'm going through my healing, through therapy, through, you know, I'm getting ready to, to, to start my uh, coaching classes. I have to be able to have a perspective of peace because this journey that I'm on of healing, it brings out so much pain. It reminds me of so many trials and tribulations that I got to have a way to realign myself. So everything that I do now is no longer, it's no longer what somebody else taught me per se. I always start at how do I feel for real? Not are people going to judge me? Are people going to look at me this way or that way? None of that no more. Because I don't I don't care. Like 
I, as long as I'm breathing and my kids see who I am for real, that's what matters to me. It's not how the outside world sees me. That gives me the opportunity to be who I am without fear. I can get on this podcast and be extremely open without fear, without feeling like, oh, someone's going to hear this and they're going to be like, oh, he's lying. He's this. Yeah, like, I don't think about that type of stuff because in my mind, I'm like, if I mention someone, be respectful. If I'm mentioning something from my perspective, state, you know, this is my perspective. So when I'm when you when I take those principles and add them to work, I'm just I'm just not going to argue. All right, you got it. Like I got to deal with like it's week after week that I got to deal with someone saying that, oh, he did this, he did that. Um, and luckily, I have a supervisor now like she gonna she going to coach me on what she going to coach me on, period. She don't allow the other stuff to to be a big deal. Because like I continue to say, it's like, man, like, like I don't understand for the life of me why work can't just be peaceful. You go to work, you do what you do, you go home, right? I see so much stuff and I, I it's it's like my kids have more uh resolve and more discipline to just do what they're supposed to do than some of these people at work. Um, but going through it, like I said, it creates, it creates this fog, man. And it's uncomfortable just, you know, half the time I'm sitting at work, I can't ever really focus on work because I'm worried about the next email of somebody, you know, trying to create chaos. And it's always people who, who are doing worse than, than me. Um, but again, patience, purpose, order. If I'm meant to be at this company for longer, I will be. If it's meant for the business to jump and I'm able to, to remove myself from the company, you know, it, it, it's going to happen. But I'm grateful for the skills that I've obtained throughout this journey of fighting this depression and anxiety um, and understanding paranoia a little bit more because that is a new thing that's setting up that that's trying to set up in me. So I've been, you know, kind of studying about what it really is, you know, how to really, you know, get through it and process it in real time, how to calm myself down. Um, and even if I have the paranoid thoughts, right, not to say it to the person before I like really uh, go through it in my head because I don't want to lose friendships. I don't want to lose relationships. I definitely don't want to mess up relationships with my kids um, because of paranoia, right? So I'll sit in my room a lot of times kind of, you know, going over it a few times, just just making sure that I'm responding properly um, to whatever the situation is. Like, I, I, I pay very, very close attention to what's going around me so that when I start feeling away, whether it's good or bad, I can process it. It might take me a second. I might be silent for a while. I might, you know, isolate for a while. But I, I pay attention so much and I observe so much um, so that I can 
process everything how it's supposed to be processed, right? It's a lot of stuff that happens in my life that before I would just woe is me type deal, shut down, be crying and whining about it per se. But now it's like um, I'm still an emotional wreck over certain things, but I have understanding of it. So it's not so much of whining more than it's like, all right, that hurt. And being able to sit in that, it hurt. And so I'm going to cry because it hurt. I'm not going to take it out on nobody. I'm not going to lash out. But this shit hurt. I know it hurts. Um, I'm going to allow myself to be hurt so that, you know, because once you experience the pain, like once you experience pain at its highest, everything else it's just a matter of time. I've experienced three of the harshest, in my opinion, three of the harshest losses of life. A father, my, ex, my ex-father-in-law, that was very difficult on me because he was very important to me as a person outside of the relationship with his kid. Like that was my guy. The loss of the love of my life in that relationship and the loss of a child. I've experienced those level of pain, uh, that, that level of pain on the three highest levels. I don't wanna say pain is non-existent to me no more, but I look at it differently. I process it differently. I pay attention to it though, because I've experienced those losses at that level and the pain was so surreal, I don't, how can I put it? I still allow myself to feel whatever pain that comes. It's a battle in my mind though, because it's like, "Eh, I know that hurt, that particular thing hurts. But you lost a child, like, "Mm." I know that thing, I know that messes with you, but the love of your life is, is like, you, you don't have the love of your life no more. And so I gauge everything against that level of pain because I remember, like, I, I can physically feel the pain of those three things to this day. I use it as a, a learning experience. I use it as fuel so to, to allow me to learn, like, I'm still processing certain things. I'm still processing that breakup. I'm still processing losing my my daughter. Um, it's over. It's over a decade, I believe, at this point that you know my ex father in law had passed, and that that still be be messing with me. So when 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 mundane things come and you know it affects me and it knocks me down to a certain level, 
but it's more of a learning pain. It's more of a growing pain than it is anything else. It's not me soaking and giving up on life. It's, it's like, dang, that hurt. And uh, uh, I used an analogy earlier of like when you have a pin, right, a needle, and if you just tap it on the glass once, it's not going to do anything, right? This little pin, this big old piece of glass. But if you tap hard enough in the same exact spot over and over and over, that one dot is going to crack the glass in multiple spaces and it's going to create a ripple effect of brokenness. And that's what happens for me as I'm going through my day to day. So when things hit me, uh, when new trials, new tribulations uh, hit me, that's what happens. It's just another extension of the loss that I've experienced, the high level of pain. Right. It, it goes back down to that, that the heart of it all. And then that's how I gauge how I'm going to respond to certain things. And so, you know, this week. I really had to pull my myself back and say. Don't let that stuff bother you for real. You have greater purpose in you that you are fighting to get to. You have more healing that you need to do. And if you stop this to go to battle with these people, you're going to lose ground. I think a lot of us forget that as we're going through uh, our trials and tribulations, we be forgetting that in order for us to heal, we have to be focused on healing. The moment we let our guard down from healing to fight more, Something's going to come hit us. So for me, I'm like, bruh, I'm, I'm not about to, to let my guard down. I'm not going to let my guard down to come fight. I'm healing right now. And if I have to fight while I'm healing, it's going to be horrible. Because I pay attention. I know for a fact if I have to fight you, I have no defenses to heal, which means that I have to take this to the most extreme point that it could go to as fast as possible so that I can get you out of my face or out of my ear so that I can go back to healing. So knowing that I stay out the way, paying attention to who I am, I stay out of the way because Stooping to that level and removing yourself from your lane to deal with nonsense is only going to hurt you. As I'm going through this process, like I've always been a person of understanding. I've been moving in understanding for a long time. A lot of stuff that bothers regular people, it don't bother me for real because I'm not looking at the thing that's in front of my face or I'm not solely looking at the thing, the action, the hurt that's in front of my face. I'm looking beyond that. Why you did that? What, you, what were you really going through? 
do you realize that the thing you're doing right now is not only affecting right now us, but it's going to affect us in the future. It's going to affect the kids. It's going to affect your health. It's going to affect your job. Like, do you or do you think about that? Younger, I didn't. I didn't care. I would just say and do whatever. I wasn't thinking about, you know, the uh, the aftermath of things. I was thinking about you did this. I, I'm going to do this. You said this. I'm going to say that you want to fight. Let's fight. But the moment I start looking for peace, I realize, yo, you got, you got, you gonna have to have a lot of understanding if you really want peace. You gonna have to be able to 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 chill your ego out if you really want peace. You can't do both. You can't have an ego and want peace. You can't. It don't work like that. Because when your feelings get hurt, ego takes over and wants to get back wants to be in the right. Ego wants to be uh, uh, a dominating force regardless of what it is. But when, you, when you're looking for peace and you're trying to heal, you have to be able to take some hits. You have to be able to exhibit the thing that you want in return, right? You have to be able to exhibit patience and understanding. You gotta be able to, to like if you love it, you gotta be able to forgive. I'm not saying let somebody constantly do something to you or constantly hurt you, but if it's real, you're going to go through some stuff. Don't stay, forget back. Don't stay cool with people, forget back. If you choose to stay with or deal with or whatever, you know, the job, the, the girlfriend, the boyfriend, you know, the wife, the husband, whatever, whatever, if you choose to stay, learn. Don't stay for get back. Because you're ruining who you are. You're taking time off your clock because you got you, you have this grand scheme of I'm going to play nice until I can get get back and then I'm going to get get back and then I'm going to be done. And then years are going to pass and you're going to realize like, damn, that was a mistake. See, a lot of us, we go through this, this journey where we feel like we have to be the right one. We have to be on top. We have to be right. We, have, like, we go through the, the, this phase that can't nobody tell us nothing about, about ourselves or about anything. And then we get older and it's like, oh, wow. Luckily, I've always been a humble person. I learned very, very young. I keep telling y'all that, you know, Tim and Dederick, Sylvester, the rest they saw, they humbled me immediately. Whenever I think very, whenever I think too highly of myself, I think about those days at Victory Park at practice and going through the drills and Dederick and Tim knocking my block off. I think about that and I apply that to my real life because I don't want nobody coming and be able to do that. So I have to do it for myself. I have to humble myself. I have to not think too highly of myself, but, you know, still big myself up and still be encouraged about the things that I'm trying to accomplish and do. But without understanding, I don't get there. It's still it, like without understanding, it's still ego driven. Without understanding, I'm still arguing. I'm still fussing. I'm still fighting over things that don't really matter. And I can't keep adding that. It's imperative that we understand that. Like, even if you have limited mental health issues 
you'll add to it by arguing. I know it's it's enticing. Um, a lot of us like we 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 get uh, we get sexually charged from arguing, right? My ex used to argue with me for us to to have crazy sex. And I never I, I never understood I never understood it. Like in real time, it's just like I'm like, why do you always argue? Like, shut up. But then I start thinking about it as I get older. I'm like, like, that's crazy. Like I would have beat it up, like if you just like if that's what we if that's what we do, like we don't gotta argue about it. But sometimes, you know, we, people get a kick out of arguing. They get a, a, a mental kick, especially people who are very cerebral. Like, they be fired up to be able to spark an argument and then be walking away laughing because they don't really care about whatever they just got you hyped to argue about. And so I, I, I peeped that, and I just, I, I, I'm learning. I start understanding how the game is played for real. Right. I, I start realizing, you know, sometimes shit be starting for nothing. It has no value to it for real. But ego is going to make you respond to it. Like I see people on, online and they're always trolling. They always have something to say crazy. And it, it don't be having nothing to do with nothing. And it irks my nerves. I'm not even going to hold you. It irks my nerves. But I like I laugh about it like. I can't believe y'all are allowing this person to get y'all in the argument. Like that's how obvious it be that somebody is just saying something to say something. Once I start seeing that and I start piecing that together in real life um, and, and thinking like, I wonder in relationships, do, do your partner just be saying shit just like, just to get you mad. And then understanding the why of it. If it's a kink, say it's a kink. So I'll know. So I'm not just like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, your bald head ass mama. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because you'll, you'll get defensive not knowing if you don't understand. And so you'll, you'll be going for the throat. And it's like, dang, I just like, and it, for real, for real, I just was saying that because it, it turned me on. Because I have understanding, I'm able to pay attention to stuff like that. I'm able to, to see that within myself. And plus, I'm very limited, or I limit who's around me. Like, not even trying to be cocky. Like, like people even want to be around me for real like that. Um, but I don't even give off the energy like I want people around me. I'm very introverted as is. Uh, my insecurities don't really allow me to hang out for real because... Um, when I'm in my funks, I lose memory. I'm stumbling over words. I lose, you know, I'll be talking in real time and completely lose a thought. Um, and it's embarrassing for me. One, because it just, it just is. But two, because I don't have time to explain how depression and anxiety affects the memory, uh, how it affects you know, your body language and, and mood. I don't have time for that. And again, a lot of people just think depression is sadness. A lot of people think anxiety is being overly excited. 
and they don't they don't understand the depth of what happens. They don't understand, you know, it'd be small stuff. Like it's small stuff that trigger me. And it, it makes the biggest effect on me. And it's really, really weird how that works. Like I'm learning that I'm learning that even in hurt, even in being hurt by someone, you still have to look for the why. You, 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 like, how can I say this? Like, I'll be talking to my kids, and their first instinct for everything, I could be calm, peaceful, not even tripping off nothing. Their first instinct is to lie. And it irks my nerve that that's how it goes, right? And I used to get so mad. Why the fuck you always lying? Blah, 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 blah. I used to, like, and then I start, I gained understanding, right? I'm not saying it's okay that they, that, that, that's, that they feel like their first, like the first response in their head, you know, it's a lie, right? Not saying that that's okay. But then I start thinking about how being caught off guard with a question, right? You don't have time to think about it. You don't have time to really, you know, kind of conjure up what you're going to say. And so you're just boom, boom, boom. And then once the question actually settles, then it's like, oh, no, no, no. I had to start understanding that with my kids. Every time they're not trying to lie to me, right? They're not, they, it's, they're caught off guard. They're, they're hearing a little bit of what I'm saying. So they're responding to the part that they heard and they, and, and maybe they didn't hear the full question. That's why they initiate with the lot. And so with that understanding, I talk very slow to them now. Hey, I need you like, like when they doing shit and I need to talk to them, Hey, cut that off. Cause I need you to hear what I'm asking you so that you can respond in the proper way and not like you on the ropes and I'm coming down on you and you don't know what's going on. Right. Cause I'm trying to teach them how to heal right now. Even though I'm teaching them right now, it's not for right now. I don't expect them, and I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna keep it a buck with y'all. I expect my kids to run me ragged, get on my nerves, appear to not listen, um, be chaotic. I like, I expect that. There's gonna be a day, whether when they're in college, whether when they get married, when they have kids, there's gonna be a day, just like me, I'm telling y'all, when I, when I, every one of my kids, it seemed like I got plugged into the matrix and new information, new memories, new things flooded my mind. They're gonna have that experience and they're gonna realize that the things that I was doing by example, they're gonna realize like, oh, this, like, I need that right now. I didn't need that at, at 12, 13, 14. That was annoying, but now I get it. They're in this self-preservation mode. 
So they're gonna do whatever it takes that they feel to get them out of whatever situation. We all have the tendency to do that. But that's an unhealthy way of, of thinking. Like everything that we do, if it's done without understanding, is gonna be, uh, it's gonna put us at a deficit. I'm about self-preservation but the correct way. I don't want to preserve life being conniving, being deceitful, having to lie. I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to preserve life by being at peace with what I'm doing, with having understanding and appreciation of what I'm doing and the people um, and the people around me. Like, it's important we find out the foundation of things and I know it's easier said than done. I know in real time, if somebody, you know, going off on you or whatever the case is, I know that it's very difficult to stop and, and think about those things. For me, it's imperative because I can lose my life. I can lose my freedom. What's the type of responses that are in my head? Again, violence and negativity and chaos is very easy to me. The niceness, the love, the care, the peace, I earned that. You know how many times people came at me in a way that I should have responded in a negative way? Said something to me, done something to me, stole something from me, or, or treated me, or, or put dirt on my name, and I should have responded? I, I earned this peace. I earned the right to be able to walk away from things and isolate. I took my hits on the chin. I allowed my character to, to, to be tarnished. What am I argue for? All right, you got it. That's, what you, that's who you believe that I am. That's what you believe that I am. Cool. I know me. I look at me every day. Butt booty naked in the mirror going stupid. Every day. So nothing that nobody is going to say to me is going to make me alter who I believe and know that I am because I was there and I'm here. I don't want to preserve my life with aggression. Like I remember, um, I remember being younger and, you know, somebody will do something and you will be mad. Excuse me, you will be mad and not sleeping. And I can't believe such and such did this. I can't believe they said that. Da 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 da. And going through it. And I remember the old folks used to say, you know, calm down. You over here mad and up in an uproar. And that person at home sleeping in peace ain't been more worried about you than a man on the moon. When you, when you young, you don't want to hear that. But then you start thinking about it, that like that's how people be. Like people be real evil, real, real mean and stuff. And they really will create chaos in your life and then go home and act like it never happened and it just be that. Like that's what that's that's one thing for me. Like I'm big on nah, you if you did something, you better acknowledge what you did, or else I'm not talking to you. I spent a I spent a long part of my life. Allowing people to say and do things to me, and I feel guilty. 
how that makes sense? How does that make sense? I feel guilty because you did something to me. So instead of me saying, yo, what the fuck was that? I'm like, man, I ain't even tripping. I just start talking to you again. I just start interacting with you again. Like nothing ever happened. We never speak of it again. I spent a long part of my life like that. And then I start, I start feeling like, dang, that like nobody don't respect me. Nobody don't really care how I feel for real. And I spent a while blaming people for that. But then again, when I start looking for peace, understanding came, accountability, accountability became the thing that I searched for the most. And in searching for that, I'm like, you can't do that no more. You can't just start talking to people after they've done something to a certain level without a conversation about it, without an apology, especially when you know you didn't do anything wrong. You can't just be on some, I'm forgiving the world uh, because I just want a peaceful heart. And so I'm just going to talk to them and then they do the same thing over and over and over. And then you don't talk to them and then you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm tripping. It wasn't that bad, but it really is that bad. Again, I go back to why we do this, because society say you can't feel a certain way about a certain thing, especially if a certain person does it. We have to we, we have this weird ass hierarchy of life that we have to respect elders no matter how much they disrespect you. At what point do we realize we are all human beings? I was having a conversation earlier and I had made a point that. I'm a father, and I'm a real father, right? At some point, the disrespect from the kids, the loud talking, the puffed up chest, the blatant not doing what I'm asking of them, even when it's stuff that you know, that has, it don't really have to do with me. Like, even when it's like, yo, clean up after yourself. And I'm getting pushback on, on, on that, right? Even when it's stuff like that, I let it go. At some point, because it's consistent, and plus, their boys, which, you know, young men, they're going to get testy. At some point, I am going to react to them as a human being and not a father. That's the same thing when you're in a relationship and your partner is continuing to disrespect you, continuing to come at you in a way that's not conducive to the relationship. You're only going to have so much, oh, that's my girl, I love her. That's my wife, I love her. That's my husband, I love him. That's my boyfriend, I love You're only going to have so much of that before the human you says fuck all of that and removes all titles. And now the playing field is even. I'm not looking at you like my spouse. I'm not looking at you like my child. I'm looking at you like the person on the street, because that's how you talking to me and that's how you treating me. 
And so that's where my mind goes to as I'm enduring the things that I'm enduring, as I'm understanding, you know, the, well, that person over there chilling. I understand that. All right, cool. That They ain't worried about what they doing to me. Okay, so now I'm not, uh, so then it turns into I'm not going to worry about what I'm doing to them, meaning my responses are going to be uh, according to their their actions. I'm very much energy for energy, have been for a long time. Um, I won't be relationship-wise. That was a disaster. Anytime that thought come across, I'm going to tell y'all, don't get your look back. Just walk away. It's not worth it. I'm telling you, it's not worth it. But otherwise, I'm energy for energy. If you're rude to me, then let's, let's be rude. If you're loving to me, I'm going to be loving to you because I initiate love. I initiate peace. I initiate care. No matter what I feel about who you are, no matter what you've done to me, I still initiate peace and love. But I can only do that for so long. I can only allow you to do these things for so long. We, like, it affects us, people. We lose so many relationships because we don't want to speak up. Ignorance and silence is one of the biggest things that ruin relationships, ruin um, your parental relationship with if you're the kid and your parents or you're the parent and your kids like that ignorance and silence, man, it, 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 it's a terrible thing. Silence can kill you. Dead ass. And there's no two ways about it. It, it, it really is. Like, I, I, I struggle. Like, I can't, how can I put it? I don't want to believe that people are purposely trying to hurt, hinder, or disrespect me. Like, I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, people make mistakes. And how you respond to the mistake is how you respond, right? I choose to believe that like you, one time is a mistake. Two times, I'm looking at you weird. Three times, I right, we gotta have a conversation. Anything after that, like, I gotta get away from you because I know my responses are are, are not gonna be ones of love, uh, ones of care. As we strive to heal ourselves and get through the things that attempt to hold us down. We have to begin to understand how important self-awareness and forgiveness is to ourselves. There was a there there was a time in my life and it was like one of the worst times of my life where uh simple shoplifting had turned into me boosting for real for real. Even in those moments, right? After the fact, after I got away, after I sold whatever 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 it was.
my first thought was I had to do what I had to do. Because I needed to survive. My second thought was, damn, I just fucked somebody's life up. I never think about the thing and solely the thing in front of me. I always think about the aftermath. I go back to the pen. I don't think about the pen tapping. I think about the multiple cracks it makes once the pressure gets too high. I used to get sick to my stomach after a boost. But I know I needed it for whatever I needed it for. But I used to feel so bad, like, damn, like, I wish life was better so that my action didn't create what it's about to create for that person that's missing the thing now. I had no concern for life for real. It was never about my safety. Like I'm, I wanna say I'm 10, maybe 11 years into this safety thing. Like my life being about being safe. Even when I had, um, even when I had my oldest son, I was still getting shit off. Not caring about safety, not caring about his safety, just caring about I got, I have a kid and I have to provide for this kid because nobody's coming to help me for him. I can't get on the county. Um, they saying I make too much. Cost of living is super crazy. Like it's always been that way, and so I'm like, I got to do what I got to do. But the guilt, it's crazy because I didn't stop doing, I didn't stop doing what I was doing out of concern for my safety. I stopped doing what I was doing because I couldn't imagine someone ruining my life like I was ruining people's life by lifting and boosting what I was, what I was boosting. Because I've been through that and I've been through the selfishness of not being strong enough not to do the stuff that I was doing. I've been through that. I'm older. And I look at that now. I know in the grand scheme of things, it's just a, a drop of water. It's a, it, it, it's a raindrop in a bucket of water. And that ripple effect probably affected so many different people. And I'm grateful that I was able to stop before I was stopped by jail or by death. But again, we got to go through something to get somewhere without those moments. I don't have the understanding and patience and appreciation of my things. I don't have the protection that I have now uh, because I never experienced that. I like nobody ever told me what I was doing was wrong. Nobody ever like tried to check me. Um, anything I sat down and was like, yo, like I, I, I can't live like this. It was mental for me. It was difficult. 
and I, I, I couldn't I couldn't continue to look at myself. I told y'all before, like, it was times to where I would look in the mirror and I was so ashamed of myself, like, especially around that time. It had nothing to do, it had nothing to, to do with my physical appearance. It had everything to do with the, of the actions that I felt that I needed to take at the time. And it affected me so much. Like, it affected me so much. And I'm glad that I was able to to get through that. I'm glad that, you know, in that time that I was strong enough mentally to be aware of what was going on, be aware of what could happen and stuff like that. Um, and I was, you know, watching out and, and doing what I could to the best of my ability. But, you know, the guilt of it all it eats at me. And that's why, like, a lot of times when shit be happening in my life, I don't really be complaining because I got to pay for that. Sometimes I feel like it's a bit excessive you know, when things go bad, but I look at it like, yo, like, look at the shit that you did. Look at the chaos that you caused, um, that you thought that was in secret. But the universe saw, and you gotta, just like I say, you know, it's reaping and sowing. If you sow good, you gonna get good. If you sow bad, you gonna get bad, right? To the same degree of the chaos that you caused. Like, so being able to, being able to have that moment, going through this week, it was a bit much, but I realized it's life, just like those, just like those nights I was out doing wrong and, you know, uh, hurting people and whatever the case was, I, I have to be able to deal with that. I have to, to learn from that, you know, um. That's why I don't be tripping on a bunch of stuff. That's why when, when things go too crazy, that's why, you know, I, I sit down, I journal, I, I meditate, I make sure that, you know, I'm having the right thoughts about things. It's not a woe is me. Um, it's not, you know, everybody's coming down on me. It's really trying to really figure out what's being said, how it's being said, um, and differentiate the depressive emotions from my real emotions. I had to learn how to cope. I had to really be on some Dr. Me and realize what I was going through even before it was this thing that it is now. I had to either get with this or get with that and let it be that. Um, and so slowly but surely, you know, as I start removing myself from that life and, you know, um, trying to really be in love and be in relationships and trying to be, you know, this uh, this great father. Like, I, I've always wanted to be a husband and a father. That's it. That's it. Like, the, the, poet stuff, the poetry came later. The cafe came later. The... Um, the inspirational speaking came later. The the want of an apparel, like, it came later. But I've always wanted to be in a relationship, hella kids, me and my partner, just, just being, you know, being that. So I had to start really, um, I had to really start removing myself from the negativity. I had to remove myself from, from searching for love. 
I had to remove myself from searching for all these things because if I'm spending so much time hunting, I can miss so many things that's supposed to come to me easily. I know, you know, the idea is that, you know, the man is supposed to hunt and love and, you know, and, and do this and do that. But it's like when you hunt for, for too long, you can miss so much. And I had to learn how to sit my ass down and sit still. I had to learn how to, instead of reverting to negativity, um, I had to learn coping skills. Right? Even when I'm in isolation, one of the main things for me is staying in touch with reality. Not being too full of myself, not getting too down on myself um, when things are what they are. I have a struggle with that because my body shuts down. Like when I'm overwhelmed and feel, it's like a car when it overheats, you, you gotta sit still for a second. It has to. But I still stay in touch with reality. I try my hardest to stay away um, from as much negativity as possible. I really do, not because um, I don't wanna be informed, but because it really be affecting me and I be wanting to do stuff like in defense, I'm very protective over my people, whoever my people are, right? Once I'm connected to you or to a thing, it's like like you my people. And when I see certain things and it, and it, it hurts my soul, right? It hurts my soul and I'm like, nah, I, I wanna respond to that. But I had to get out of my way of thinking that I gotta protect everybody. Because that's what got, that's a portion of what got me here where I'm at mentally is feeling like I got to be everything in all things at all times. And the pressure crumbled my mind. And so I stay attached to reality like I scroll. Um, it's been a long while since I watched actual news on TV um, like I'll catch a I'll catch something on CNN or um, what is it uh, MSNBC or whatever it is um, I'll catch stuff here and there but for the most part it's like the news is always on some negative stuff like always and not saying that they shouldn't because it's good that we're informed but again, when your mind is like mine, where you feel like you have to come up with a plan of action to help, to heal, to, to defend, to um, retaliate, it's not good. So I do stay attached to reality or, or stay in touch with reality like, like a distant cousin. Like, I'll look at some stuff if you share it. I'll, like I'll scroll through um, the moment, like, I feel myself having that internal rage, like, uh, making it a personal thing to me. Like, I, I did it. Because it, 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 it'll, it'll boil in me, and I have too much of my personal stuff that's boiling in me, and now it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn into something else. I had to learn too, like even in my isolation, is not to withdraw from life. This is one of the most difficult things for me as I'm going through this journey of depression. There's days, let me be honest, there's weeks where you don't even realize time is passing for real. In your days, they, 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 they blend together so much. You don't know when the last time you showered. 
you don't know when the last time you ate for real. Like, um, and I didn't know this was a thing. I, I saw it. I think it was, I don't know if it was a TikTok or uh, a tweet, but it was a while ago. And somebody was like, you know, finally cleaning my depression corner. Right. And I was like, oh, shit. Because it be, again, the purpose of this podcast is to express healing and to be honest, it'll be weeks that I would just be drinking water bottles and just throwing them in a corner somewhere, right? It'll be weeks where I'm eating snacks and throwing them in, throwing the, 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 the bags or whatever, you know, in a pile with the water. And so much time go by, it get dusty and like it just, it smell weird. Like what the hell is going on in here? Like it's not like rotten or anything. It just smelled off because I'm very much a a, a clean person. And this was really weird about my uh my my bad. My phone fell for the people who listen on audio only. But here's the weirdest thing. Even in my fog, I shower often. I don't know if I feel like if I don't shower, I'm a die or something or, or what. But even in my most depressive times, I shower. But my room be crazy dirty. Until the fog lift, my room don't get clean, it don't get vacuumed. I'm like it like you can smell the dust in there. Like, I'm very big on not, you know, really eating in my room, you know, like that, because I don't, like, I be trying to go to sleep, and I don't be wanting to smell no fucking food while I'm trying to sleep. But it's weird. That was me withdrawing from life. Like, I could care less, sitting in the dark constantly. Um, and I do that. I initially started it because I get really bad migraines. But then I realized that, the darkness was a part of, you know, the depression. Because everywhere I everywhere I was going, I was closing the blinds, cutting the lights off, um, not wanting to be seen, always having my hood up. And then that's what like that's why I wear my hair wrap all the time. So I don't have to, you know, wear my like wear my hood up. But no matter what, I use it I live in Arizona, so it'd be 120, 119. I'm like these 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 new kids that don't feel heat or whatever. Cause I'm I'm always in a hoodie and sweats, always. It's very rare that I'm in shorts. It's very rare that I'm in jeans. But I started realizing that I was withdrawing from life, you know, in uh, in life around me, not really concerned with, you know, how the kids get to and from, not really concerned with their assemblies anymore. That's when I realized that, you know, something was going on because it's annoying, but my kids, they be on honor roll like every month. And my four sons, they've lived with me like I, about a decade at this point. So I'm going to every assembly every single month for four kids. Either they're on a roll or they get um, characteristic awards, right? I stopped going to those. And that's not like me. 
I stopped wanting to go to the robotic stuff. I stopped wanting to go to the basketball games. I stopped wanting to go to the, the open houses and back to school nights and stuff like that. And I'm like, dang, like, I'm really trying to subconsciously, not on purpose. I'm really trying to remove myself to give them the appearance that they don't need me for real. So in the event this disease takes my mind and I take myself from them, I already know that I taught them to be leaders for themselves. Do you know how deep in depression you have to be to have that thought with teenagers and preteens? That's when I started realizing I was withdrawn from life and I really didn't give a fuck about anything. Not even the kids in that moment. And I had to reel myself back in. I had to make sure, like, hey, what like no 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 no, we don't we don't we don't do that. We don't we don't do that. Uh-uh. These I like I want these kids to experience the feelings that I feel about my parents as a youth. If anything, my kids are gonna be like, man, my dad's so damn annoying. He be at everything. Like both both schools know me well. The high school in high school ain't but two, three years old. But I be up there. I be at all the events. With with my little. He's the only one left at the elementary school. But them people know me. I'm very involved. I felt myself start to withdraw, though, and I'm like, oh, I can't. Like, it hit me, like, again, understanding. And I'm like, yo, like, I, no, that's not, that's not it. And so now I'm kind of uh, getting reacclimated with being that parent trying to reduce my anxiety so that I am able to, you know, uh, go support the kids and whatever they're doing, no matter how many people are around. Like I've always had, like I'm claustrophobic as well. Um, so just being in large groups is, is very, very difficult for me. Um, like almost need a support animal type anxiety when I'm in, when I'm in major groups, one, because of natural anxiety, uh, two, you know, I was raised, in the inner city, a lot of you know, a lot of times when you're in groups, that's when altercations happen. People lose lives, stuff like that. So that I think that's a, a, a PTSD type thing where you know I just don't like being in large groups. It doesn't matter. But those are the things that made me realize that I was withdrawn from life, and I'm like, nope, can't do that. So I started being more active. Like, I exercise. When I exercise. Like my uh, my preferred exercise is either walking, jogging, riding a bike. Lifting weights is kind of difficult for me. I've never been a weightlifter. I've always been more of a runner. Um, and so when I walk or, or do my you know I do my exercise, I'm doing you know six to eight miles per walk. If you give me on a good week, I'll do that shit for seven days a week. Like, for real, for real. Like, 
I remember like I was doing that for so so long. Uh, my brother Duck, because he's very much into uh, nutrition and, and health and stuff like that, and he's like, uh, I think you should be resting a couple of days. Like he had to legit tell me, like, don't do that, because I was just trying to stay active. I didn't realize at the time I was trying to stay active because of the depression. I was just trying to, you know, stay active. Um, I've always been very secure in who I am, you know, visually. Like, I don't, like, I don't, you can bag on me or roast me or whatever. Like, I'm not one of them, like, I have to have a six-pack. I have had a six-pack since 2016. And even then, it was very light. Very light. It wasn't ripped, nothing like that. I haven't been, like, muscular type ripped since like since my senior year in high school which was 2000 but I start to become more active start you know writing poetry again doing this podcast again actual exercise again uh got a heavy bag that I that I box on stuff like that like so um that helps me cope the more that you know I'm doing things when the thoughts hit like the more boxing I'm doing right and the negative thoughts hit. The more I'm hitting that bag, the more I'm picturing that thing. And it's like now I'm breaking that thing down because I'm, I'm boxing. When I'm out there walking, sometimes it'd it be times to where I'll be walking and there'll be nobody on the trail and I just be crying. Getting the mouths in. I know, you know, it, it would appear that I'm crying because I'm exasperated from the walk, but I'm just expelling all that negative energy. I'm expelling all those negative thoughts, those trials and tribulations that I went through that seemed to hinder me and have this hold on me, and I'm walking it out. I'm learning, man. I'm learning. Like, it's important. Like, when, when like I tell my kids, we don't do bullies, right? I'm not going to force you to fight no one that you're afraid of. I'm not that type of parent. We are going to get you to a point to where you're not afraid, if that makes sense. When things get difficult, you got to face it. can't run you can't when you run from the thing you're supposed to face it only gets harder because you're running from this thing that you need to be prepared for and in order to be prepared for you have to face it and so you're running away to more things that you aren't prepared for. Right? I'll never forget my uncle telling me, my Uncle Larry, this is the made this is the sole reason why I'm scared of dogs. But had I listened and had understanding at this time of my life, I probably wouldn't be scared of dogs. My uncle said, Don't run. And I'm like, nope, I'm scared of the dog he said don't run like I'm telling you just be calm let uh his dog champ I think it was a, it was a German Shepherd he's like he kept saying it, and I'm like uh like I'm hysterical and mind you mind you everyone in my family who had dogs their dogs were was acclimated with the family, like all of us, like 
no, we didn't see these dogs every day or anything like that, but we we seen each other enough as family, and the, my uh, my family had control over their dogs that they knew what time it was, right? This particular day in the backyard, if I'm not mistaken, I don't, was I with my dad? I don't even know. I know it was me and my uncle for sure. I can't think if I was with my dad or my my other uncle at the time. I remember I had on gray corduroys. And I don't know what happened, but I ran. And Champ came and bit me. It wasn't like no, it wasn't crazy, right? If I'm not, I don't even think it broke. I don't even think it broke through the corduroys. If y'all know uh, corduroys in 1980, y'all know them joints were solid. But it bit me. And from that moment on, I was afraid of dogs, no matter what size. Because my mind said, this is my uncle dog. He didn't listen to my uncle. And he bit me. Completely erased my uncle saying, do not run. Just let him, let him figure out who you are. Like, I'm right here. He not going to do nothing if you don't do nothing. Completely. Listen, I'm 40. I'm just now having this remembrance of my uncle telling me, don't run. And this whole time, I've been blaming Champ for me not liking dogs. I didn't listen. And we tend to do that in life. We don't listen. We think we know better than the people who are experts at the thing. We think we know better than the thing that, that the person that's trying to protect us. My uncle knew that if I ran, his dog was going to react because that's how he react to people running through his shit. I thought that, all right, this is the thing that I'm afraid of. I'm so afraid I'm going to run. I'm not prepared for the thing to chase me. Not only am I not prepared for the thing to chase me, I'm not prepared for what's going to happen if and when it catches me. So I have to stand still and face it. I'm tired of prolonging my healing. I'm not running from anything anymore. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong, like if somebody pull out a gun, yeah, that type of stuff, I'm not dumb. I'm saying, like, realistic shit. I'm not, uh, if the relationship is going bad, I'm not running from you. I'm telling you, hey, this shit going bad. We need to have a conversation or we need to get away from each other. It's not even, like, because I'm not a closure person. Like, I'm not coming back to you for closure. I learned my lesson with just walking away from shit and not being clear. It's disrespectful regardless of what's done to me. Right. Because I'm saying it's disrespectful because I want to be very clear and, and, and open about if I fuck with you or if I don't for real. Like regardless of what you do or what you say, uh, you shouldn't have to be uncertain about that. So I can't run from things anymore. I can't I, I, I cannot allow myself to see something that is difficult in my face, an obstacle, a person, a relationship, a, a, a job. What I can no longer look that thing in the face, be afraid and run. Listen. 
Either it's going to be a yes or it's going to be a no. I don't want to run from it because if it chased me, um, I'm going to be unfocused and unprepared when it catches me. And what if it catches me and it bites me and that pain is so real that it traumatizes me for the rest of my life? Do you know that I probably wouldn't be as depressed if I had a service animal? But I'm so scared of dogs that I don't even want to give that idea a chance because I didn't listen. Think about how many things we ran from and, and the thing caught us and did us harm and had us in shambles and had us weak in our knees. And then it's like, oh, shit. I shouldn't have ran. I shouldn't have done that. I should have stayed still because somebody with knowledge of this situation said, hey, you should stand still real quick. You should try to figure it out real quick. Don't be so antsy. Don't be so quick to move. Because again, that was my that was a moment of me not thinking about the bigger picture and solely thinking about self-preservation. All I thought about was I got to get away from this dog and out of this yard. And my uncle simply said, don't run. First thing I did was run. I didn't walk. I didn't skip. The first thing I did was run. Champ was not having that. And what's crazy is Champ was just playing. He wasn't, like, as big as he was and as small as I was, if he was, like, really trying to attack me for real, for real, I would have, like, I think a piece of my leg would be missing because he was a big German shepherd. In other ways that I cope is I create routines in pretty much everything that I do. And I get attached to those routines. Not Let me not say attached. I, I, I do them in so much repetition that a lot of times I'm able to forget what's really going on. Um, and not, not what's really going on in real time, but uh, the things that hinder me, the things that keep me bogged down. Um, like with the podcast, the podcast comes out on Monday. Um, I, typically, I typically chill on Mondays. Right. I don't do anything for any part of the business. I let the podcast post. Um, I try to do a couple, you know, responses. Hey, did you look? Did you listen to the podcast? What you think? Da, 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 da. Like interaction on Mondays. Tuesday, I'm right back to doing notes for the podcast. I get off work. Um, I start the notes. Until those notes are finished, that's I get off work. Um, I'll take a nap probably here and there, maybe 20, 30 minutes. I get to I get to the notes. I get done, you know, every night, get in the shower. Like every morning I get up, even though I have like I I, I listen, my relationship with, 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 with God is very, very strained because of the level of loss that I have. But even then, I get up, you know, I read a scripture. I get up and I'm like, you know, I'm, I, I show thanks for, for getting up a new day. 
because a lot of people are not getting up. The things that I have going on with me, it could, it could be gone, you know? I, I have times to where I'm extremely paranoid about that, right? About not waking up. Like, it, it's, it's really difficult, but I create routines so that, you know, even with the kids, right? I, I create routines of how I deal with them to keep my mind clear. My kids like clockwork. Dip their head in my room. You good? We could have just gotten to an argument, like a real deep disrespectful argument because I allow my kids to be who they are. But like clockwork, if I'm in my room for too long, they dip their head in. You good? I'm just checking on you. Yeah, they want something. They looking to see if I have extra snacks or yada, yada, whatever. But it's a routine. Because you get addicted to routines, you don't have time to do the negative stuff, right? If, you're, if, if your routine is positive, right? Because some of us have a routine to where, and I used to be this way, my routine was to drink a gallon of vodka every two days. And then I had a stroke at 26. That immediately changed. That routine was not the best for me. I had been drinking for so long and so much. My body was like, hey, bro, if this is what we're going to do, we're going to take you out. Being able to create the routines is it, like that's that's a major one for me because um, creating routines are important because depression naturally affects your social skills. We tend to prefer seclusion over anything and we limit connection to the outside world. A lot of times we detach ourselves from our loved ones as well. A routine will bring you back to whatever the feeling is, whoever the person is, no matter what. I'm reminded of the notebook and um, I think Ali had either Alzheimer's or dementia. I'm not, I'm not sure. That's one of my favorite movies, though. But there's a part late in the movie, and he's just reading this notebook. He, you know, like towards the end, you realize the whole movie is him just reading a notebook to Ali. And every so often, you know, she comes back to him. Paul, remembering everything. Whether it's one minute, two minutes, five minutes, like she comes back to him. And there's a part where a doctor is like, I don't know why you do that. Like, you know, she it's not going to work every time. And he's like, because that's because I love her. And I'm going to keep doing this routine. And in and, and however she comes back to me, she going to come back to me. And long story short, you know, she came back to him. She started bugging out, yada, yada, whatever. Um and then in her last moment, she remembered, in their last moments, the love was so strong, it took them both simultaneously. But in her last moment, she remembered who, who he was. And that sticks with me. His routine of, of, of reading to Allie, like, yo, this is our life. Even the kids was like, dad, like, nothing's wrong with you. Why are you here for real? He's like, I'm not leaving. Because these elements and these diseases, it removes our loved ones from us because we going through and it's just like that routine is going to bring you back, right? My kids get on my everlasting nerves, but the routine of me being who I'm supposed to be is going to calm me down eventually.
the routine of who I am. It's gonna make them look at me a, a way different. Like once I'm like once I'm not doing the things that I do every single day, they are like, "Uh, you good, Dad? You straight?" If I'm not greeting them in a way that I normally greet them, they're like, mm, "You all right?" If more time passed than usual, because I told you guys, I let them wind down before I start trying to get involved in whatever they got going on. If too much time passed, they're like, ah, nah, you straight? Well, everybody besides twin, twin don't, twin don't care for real. But these routines is going to help your social skills, whether whether uh, it's being social inside of your house or not. Because what we what, what a lot of people don't understand about um mental health we can be social outside and we can do all this stuff outside but inside we're isolated from our own families because nobody can see us inside the house like outside you know this i think this is why a lot of mental health either goes uh unnoticed or or uh, it's it's disrespected when it comes out that somebody's struggling because it's like, oh, I saw you having fun at the basketball game or the football game. I saw you laughing and dancing and drinking and smoking and da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, nah, I'm, I'm doing that because I'm, I'm weak and I don't want you guys to know that I'm weak. So I have to be in the open. I know that you're going to bug out if I'm like, nah, I don't really want to go. And I tell people all the time, I'm, I don't want to go. I don't want to talk to extra people. I don't want to talk to new people. I don't want to do it. It's too much that goes into it. My mind is not right enough to, to do that, especially with people who don't take the care to understand. So the routine will all the, the routine will bring you back to the people you're supposed to be back to. The routine will give you the confidence to not be in so much isolation from your family or from people. You know what I mean? Because it is people that, you know, really are concerned and care about you and stuff like that. But it's, it's difficult. So keeping a routine, like for me, half of the time, you know, like I talk about my group chat, right? I think one of my group chats, I haven't been in, um, I want to say since December. Since like maybe end of November, I, I've been struggling, right? But the leader of that group chat, she will not let me struggle by myself, her or her husband. And at first that shit was annoying because I'm like, bro, let me disappear in peace. Like, what the fuck? But my cyber siblings, the group chat that I've been in for four, you know, I think it's three or four years or five years, I don't know. Listen. Them two do not play about me disappearing. Yet I think yesterday or the day before, like, I was knocked out. I was knocked out, and, you know, my phone kept buzzing, and I'm like, what is going on? And so it was them like, hey, like, we ain't heard from you since 8 o'clock. What's up? What's popping? You straight? Like, like, bro, can I disappear in peace? And they both be like, no. Like, you can disappear. You can disappear from posting and you can disappear from interacting with other people not us so the routine keeps me attached right having that routine of knowing the moment that i'm silent those the two people from my spiritual group chat 
are gonna be like, hey, you 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 straight? And then my cyber siblings are gonna be like, man, if you don't get your ass in here, like like they'll tell me straight up, we know you're going through whatever you're going through. We can't see you for real physically, cause uh, my cyber si- my sister is in North Cali. My cyber brother is in Michigan. I'm in Arizona. We can't see each other for real. So when we're all going through whatever we're going through, because we all have moments that we stress about certain things and stuff, but we don't see each other. But we have a connection enough to know, like, "Mm, something ain't right. What's up? The routine of it keeps us sane. I had to explain to a few people, even them, my isolation is not from anger. It goes back to my earlier point about preserving life. I know if I respond to people in the way that I'm feeling for real, I'm going to lose those relationships. Not because they've done anything to me, But when I'm in the funk, all I can think about is protecting myself. That's it. The moment I feel like you're saying something that is counterproductive to me, it could be something that I don't even understand for real. But because I feel like it's an attack, because I feel like it's counterproductive, my response is going to be a dagger. And I know that. So to preserve my relationships and my connections, I back off. Because that's the best solution for me. I say often, depression don't know you, you. Like, I'm reminded of uh, the Netflix show, um, big mouth and how they have you know the hormone monsters and stuff like that like I wish like like that I could talk to my depression like that so I can say hey that's my son don't like like relax a little bit hey this is the love of my life like relax a little bit hey this is my other this is my daughter Rel- relax a little bit right it don't work like that it don't, it don't see my best friend. It don't see my cyber siblings. It don't see my healing group. When it hit, it just hit. And as much as I try and want to be in the open and in love and care at all times, sometimes I just can't do it. I don't have, I don't have it in me. And allowing people in when I when I'm in those modes is so scary. It's so scary, right? But I've learned how important it is to understand what's what and accept what's what. Because I came up, like, you can't talk about the negative things that happened in your life. You can't talk about the ailments. You can't talk about the things that are are bothering you for real because it's the devil. Or, you know, you speaking into existence. Accepting the issue does not make you weak. It actually gives you more strength. Ignorance and silence has killed more people around the world than it should. 
ignoring ailments, feelings, emotions, etc., is harmful to ourselves. We got to let go of this idea that we're weak because we express what's going on. We have to let go of this idea that um, weakness is the, the diagnosis. It's funny because we used to watch G.I. Joe's and they ain't G.I. Joe. And they used to say, knowing is half the battle. And as a kid, you don't know what that means. You ain't thinking about it for real. You're just like, that's the, that's the slogan of your favorite cartoon. Had no idea what it was instilling in my mind. I don't feel weak because I have depression. I don't feel weak because I'm diagnosed with anxiety. I don't feel weak because I have asthma. or I don't feel weak. Because I know I have those things, I have so much strength in trying to cure myself and doing the steps and things that are, are needed for me to be effective still. If I don't acknowledge it, if I don't accept it, then I don't get to heal. I'm spending so much time denying depression. I'm spending so much time denying anxiety. I'm, um, I'm spending so much time denying asthma, denying the HCM, you know, the DTP, you know, denying those things. Because I don't want to speak it into existence because if I say it out loud, it's going to make it worse. No, I have those things going on. These are things that are not curable. Um, the po uh, polymyositis, these are things that are not curable but they can be maintained with proper diet, with proper exercise, stuff like that. Just taking precautions of what I'm doing. If I don't accept the diagnosis, I don't know that I can live a long life with all of these things. I just continue to do what I'm doing and then boom. Now I don't, uh, I, I, I'm not healing because I never knew that I had it because I refuse to go to the doctor because when you go to the doctor, you get a diagnosis. When you, yeah, when you get a diagnosis, you can't talk about it out loud because that's the devil or you speaking it into existence. I gained so much strength with figuring out what's wrong with me. No matter how many negative things come from the doctor's visit, the idea is that there's a way to maintain my health if I do what I'm supposed to do. My journey is what it's supposed to be. These diagnoses and ailments, it does not change that for me. It only pushes me further to get the word out. I'm, I'm coming to heal. I'm coming in peace. I'm coming to make sure that we are good and we don't let this mental health stuff take us to the upper room. Allow nature to do whatever it's supposed to do. But my thing is, I don't, as many people as I can keep from, from uh, uh, escalating their time to the upper room, I, I, I want to do that. I want to help. And acceptance, you got to find self-worth, which we, you know, we talked about in depth, I think, two podcasts ago. Um, it's self-affirmations. Being honest with yourself, loving on yourself, you know, like me, like I'll be like, I'm fine. Like I, I could fight, I could sex good, I'm smart, um, I can lead good, you know, I'm a good father. Like I'd be, I'd be, ooh, I'd be in there butt naked, crazy affirmation, swinging it like a helicopter, it'd be stupid. But that's what helps me get my self worth. 
because I got to be able to look at me in, 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 in all my glory. Dad bod on fleet, tattoos everywhere, like, got to do it. I have to affirm myself. I can't wait. I think that was a lot of problems of, uh, of, that I was having in friendships, in relationships, even with the kids, is expecting them to affirm me for the things that I was doing. But in reality, these are things that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be your parent. I'm supposed to cook. Right. I'm supposed to be there. I'm supposed to be at your game. I'm supposed to be at your robotics. I'm supposed to be at your. I'm supposed to do that stuff. But I'm looking for. Dang, that, that was a good meal, dad. Dang, dad. Thank you for, for, for coming to the game. Again, I want them to have different experiences than me. But I'm holding, I'm holding them accountable for something that they don't even realize that I need. Because I'm not telling them, yo, tell me thank you. Tell me this. Like, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. I'm just moving along with life because I'm supposed to do that. And coming up where I come from, you can't, like, not as soft. Just do it because you're supposed to. It goes along, like I told you, accepting compliments. Right? We got to get to that point to where we're okay with that. Yeah, yes, the podcast went crazy. Yes, the 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 peacefully flawed uh, uh, hoodie is fire. Yes, that poem was lit. Like, like uh, the other day, you know, uh, Ken, she's in our group chat. Like, she randomly was like, yo, like, this poem still go crazy. That shit threw me off, right? My first instinct was like, ah, you know, that's old. But then I'm like, nah, that poem really went crazy. So I thanked her, like, yo, like, my bad, I was asleep last night when you had, when you had posted that. But I had circled back, like, nah, thank you, I appreciate that. Because the poem is a good poem. A lot of my poems are really good poems. Like, you got to get out of your own head and reduce the volume of that critic that we have. Like, we have, like, I don't know why. In, in, in our, it baffles me that the universe allowed us to have a voice in our head, for real. Because we be our biggest haters for no damn reason. We have this idea in our heads, and, and, and for me, it's like, that's why I say all, often that perfection doesn't exist. That's me talking to me. Because a critic in my head always says nothing is, is, is good enough. Nothing. It always has to be this extravagant thought or thing for me to feel like, oh, you know, that, all right, there, that's it. But why? Because that's what society makes us feel like. There's greatness in simplicity. And until we understand that, we're going to keep on searching for something that don't exist. And we're going to keep on ruining who we are looking for something that don't even exist. And all of that, it helps me overcome fear. Right? I'm human. I'm scared of looking like a bad person. I'm scared of looking like a bad parent. I'm scared of looking like a bad partner. I'm scared. I lose so much being scared. I laugh because um, I told y'all that, you know, my ex had hit me up. 
not on no crazy shit. But was having a conversation and she had said something and I was like, fam, I'm not scared of you no more. Like, and her and I are very jovial, but it's, it's the truth. In that conversation, I'm realizing like how much I be afraid to lose people and how much I don't say because I'm afraid to lose people. Whether it's relationships, whether it's dealing with these kids and not wanting to say certain things so I have a certain level of fear because I know we're reaching that, you know, I know better than you part of life for my two older kids. So it's like I don't say certain things because it's like I don't want to lose them faster. But I'm doing them a disservice and I'm doing myself a disservice because there's a, I'm, I'm dealing with them in fear so I'm not being myself truthfully. I was dealing with my ex in fear before. I didn't I wasn't able to deal with so it's like I'm not you're not getting really you're not getting the me you deserve because I fear losing you. So I'm going to do whatever you ask of me, however you ask of me with no care to myself. And and, and she's not one that disrespected me like that. Like that was a, it was one tit, one tat, shit was over. My daughter's mom, on the other hand, like that was that was a crazy time. Like when I look back at it, that was a crazy, crazy time. But I was so fucking scared. Like, that was my only daughter. Um, not saying that, you know, I didn't love my sons because y'all know me. I love all my kids equally. Um, well, kind of equally. But I was so scared and I let her disrespect me so much. And then I allowed her to make me look bad. Because it was fear. Like I'm looking back, and I mean, like, yo, like I should have, I sh that shouldn't have been a thing. That's how much I was being disrespected. And so with that, I start realizing, like, hey, you got to stop being scared of shit for real. So now I'm more scared of me not speaking than I am of losing anybody or anything. My baby left me so much. Oh my God, she left me in her. Deb, she left me so much knowledge and understanding of things. So I'm not scared no more. If I deal with you, you're going to get me. I'm not coming from chaos. I'm not coming from malice. You're getting me, however that happens. And if you don't want that, then you can say you don't want that. But I'm not holding my tongue. I'm not holding my mannerisms. I'm not holding on to, to life. I'm not putting you before myself. Like, leave. If, if, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not scared of that no more. I want you to want to be around me if that's what you choose. If you leave, I want you to be able to to choose to leave. I don't want to be um, holding you captive because um, I'm solely doing the things to keep you happy so you can stay. Because I'm going to get tired one day. And I know this from experience. I'm going to get tired of, of being disrespected. I'm going to get tired of being talked to a certain way. I'm going to get tired of being treated a certain way. And then I'm going to shut down. And then I'm going to move on. And I'm not going to tell you that I moved on. I'm just going to not be there. 
And that's not healthy for anyone. And so as I'm coping and, and learning different coping skills and I'm, I'm, I'm on this daily journey to heal, I'm learning not to be afraid. I'm more afraid of myself than, than anything. I'm more afraid of, like, that's the thing. I'm the, the, all the fear that I had of losing other people, I now fear that of losing myself. So I'm willing to do whatever it takes for me to remain who I am. It doesn't matter how hard this depression hits. It doesn't matter, uh, matter the anxiety, the paranoia, the physical health stuff. It doesn't matter, none of that. I'm scared of losing me. And so with that, I fight to understand I am a parent. And that's it. I don't have to get lost in that. I am a I work in healthcare. I'm an employee. I don't have I don't have to get lost in that. I am someone's son. I am someone's sibling. I don't have to get lost in that. Finding that out for myself and being able to stay like I stood tall without my ex. Right? That shit crumbled me for two years straight. I'm being honest. It cr like it crumbled me, crying my eyes out. You could ask my brother. I would call him so hurt, and he would be so annoyed with me. Like, bro, like, let that shit go. And not even like that, but just, I feel you, man. This is this is a tough one. I I don't know. Like, he would give me different, you know, perspective. It crumbled me. But then I stood tall. Like, all right, bet I know how to do this. I say often the worst thing that ever happened to me in life. It's the best and the worst thing is that I, I learned how to take care of myself by myself, right? I learned that I could be a single parent and as stressful as it, it is, because it is, I learned how to do it and I learned how, how to do it well. And I've excelled at being a single parent. I've done this dolo. I figured out how to do it. So whoever comes in my life or leaves my life, it's not shaking shit over here. Because one, I stood after the, 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 the harshest heartbreak that, I, that I've ever experienced in my life. It took me a while, but I stood tall. I'm still standing. I'm still here. Words of Antoine Fisher. I thought my life would be over getting full custody of my sons and, and taking on full financial responsibility, taking on full living responsibility, like primary custodial parent type shit. Like, like I was scared of that. I didn't know how to like how to do that. Yeah, I seen my mom a couple years, you know. I seen my mom. Like now that I think about it, I don't even know, I don't even know the time frame of when my, my parents were married and divorced. I don't remember ever living with my dad at all, as far as I could remember. I remember seeing him, but I don't remember ever living with him, making my mom a single parent. So I saw her from the time I was cognizant of life until she got with my father that raised me. Right. And I think I was 
eight or nine. I had met him first, but as far as like them becoming, them being in a relationship, I think I was like eight or nine, right? So it's like I've experienced seeing a single mother, you know, struggle or seeing having a single parent that that struggle, yada yada, whatever. So it's like in my mind, you know, I experienced this as a kid, but you don't really know, you don't really know what your what your what your parent is doing to get rent paid. Um, get groceries, get transportation. If you play sports, like you don't really know what your parent, your single parent is doing when you don't have the other parent and you don't have no other financial help. Right? I learned how to do that. Like I braid their hair, I lock their hair, I cut their hair, I sew, I cook, I clean. Like I, I, I did that by myself and stood on it. Right? I created this business. I started this business. I figured out how to do it by myself. You don't get that in fear. Right? You don't get that with, with, with being so scared to lose things that you just, you're docile and you're quiet. I had to overcome that and I did it very well. Everything that has come up against me, I have excelled in healing from it, right? I've had asthma my entire life. The only way to get through asthma for real is conditioning yourself. My entire life, I ran my ass off. The only time I've, like, the only time in my adult life that I can remember that me having issues with asthma is during flu season for real. Because I used to get bronchitis a lot early on. Even now, knock on wood, I haven't had bronchitis in I don't know how long at this point. Why? Because I condition myself. I condition my lungs. Once they said that, you know, oh, you have this issue with your lungs. Yeah, I'm like, all right, man, they've been telling me that my whole life. So now i got to increase my cardio. Oh, something wrong with your heart, you know, blah, blah, blah. You got 8 cm. All right, cool. Now I have to re I have to increase the conditioning to make sure my heart gets stronger. All right, hey, you got poly uh, polymyositis, you know, autoimmune issue that mess with your with your muscles and stuff. But you know, the only way that you could the uh, the only way that uh, you can relieve the stress is by more exercise or or you know uh, conditioning. All right, bet I'm used to that. The old saying was no pain, no gain. I'm living that every day. Every day, nobody has a clue of how painful my life is, and they'll never know because I'm a trooper and I'm gonna fight through it and I'm gonna condition myself and keep going, you know. Because now I'm not like I stood tall. Every time they tell me something wrong with me, I fight it. Every time they tell me I can't do it, I do it. Every time. Like, what are you afraid of, for real? That's what I'd be asking myself. Like, what, like, for real, what are you afraid of? I have one life to live, and I have to live it. Like, especially, like, again, after seeing Kennedy, like, Kennedy didn't get a second. And I'm sitting here, and I'm afraid of something. I'm afraid of losing a relationship. I'm afraid of losing a friend. I'm not scared of that shit. Got to be quicker than that. 
I'm here to 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 help heal. I'm here to heal myself continuously because no matter if I beat this depression or when I beat this depression, I'm still going to be in a phase of healing because there's so much stuff that has happened in my life that I still am trying to heal from. And I know I could do it. I meant like like it's my purpose to do it. I'm supposed to heal. I wasn't put on this earth, this this earth to play with y'all. I wasn't put on this earth to to come up against stuff and then be the one who who quit every time. I wasn't I wasn't put on earth for that. That is not what I was here for. I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to show y'all it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel. It's okay to be open and vulnerable with the shit that you're going through. I'm here to show y'all that you don't got to go through this by yourself. You don't have to be in this much pain by yourself. Whether it's physical diagnosis or mental diagnosis, you do not have to go through it alone. You also don't have to be as open about it as I am. I My thing is I'm so open about it is because I don't want nobody to pity me. I want you to have full understanding that some days are, go, are very bad for me and I'm going to need you to have some understanding and patience. And some days I'm be normal and you got to still understand. I know he acting normal. I know he moving normal, but something really wrong with him. And we got to we, we got to be cognizant of that as well. But I had to get over. I had to get over the fear. I had to. Because if I allow fear to set in every time a doctor tell me about a diagnosis, if I let fear to set in when everybody feels like you ain't going to be able to handle all them kids by yourself, you ain't going to be able to handle life without a relationship, without a loved one. You're not going to be able, like, fam, listen, my daughter missing every day, B. My oldest daughter missing every day. The pain of that alone. But I can't be scared to move through life. I can't be scared to do the things that I'm supposed to do. I can't let these anchor points be hindrance to my growth. I have to look at those points. I have to face them and, and run the fade. All right, cool. This is what I feel about this. This is what I feel about that. And I got to run through the emotional fade with it and, and figure out how to deal with it, get some understanding of it, and, and feel how I feel. It's certain things that nobody can tell me nothing. I did the best that I could. I fought the fight that I needed to fight, and I lost, and it is what it is. Nobody can tell me nothing about it. But that was a major thing. That was, like, like fear was one of the biggest things that was, that was hindering me throughout my entire life, and not fear of, like, like not the normal fear, because I'll fight whoever I need to fight. But again, that's machismo. That's bravado right there. That's street. I'll fight you because you want to fight me, right? Deep down inside, it's like, I really don't want to fight. Like, I've been punched in the face before, and that shit hurt for real. I don't like that. But I never back down, right? I, I, I never back down. Not saying that that's a good thing, but I never did. And so with that, why, do, why am I backing down? from these diagnoses? Why am I backing down with the mental stuff? Why am I backing down? Because I'm scared of losing a relationship. I'm scared of losing a connection to a friend. I'm scared of losing a business. Why, what am I scared of? Why am I not being who I'm supposed to be uh, hiding? 
And so having those thoughts and in, 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 in all of that has transformed me into the person you see on this podcast. The person that is vulnerable and open and wholeheartedly ready to help people heal in through my own story and my own, you know, experiences of what I'm going through and showing y'all in real time how much this stuff hurt, but how important it is for me to keep going to help my people. And I tell y'all all the time, man, we got to go through something to get somewhere. So we might as well do it together. No matter the darkness that we go through. As long as we breathe in, we have the opportunity and ability to get to the light. Yo, thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Head over to www.peacefullyflawed.com for your Poetic Properties merch. Also, King's Collective is on sale right now, um, 30% off. Actually, the entire store is 30% off uh, for the month of February to represent Black History Month. Uh, again, www.peacefullyflawed.com. Um, if you want to donate to the podcast, download the Good Pods app. Well, just download it in general because it is a great place for um, for podcasts. You can interact with the podcast hosts in real time. You can comment, rate the shows. Um, it's really cool over there. So download that app, Good Pods. Um, on my page, Poetic Properties Podcast, there's a tip chart. Um, you can donate if you want. Um, if you want to donate to the business overall, you can head over to Twitter. Um, to the complex is the page. It has a tip jar there. Um, if you are one who just likes to listen, share, comment, like, what have you, I appreciate you all just the same. Um, this is a, a journey that I didn't know that was going to go this far, and I'm appreciative of any type of support that you all give. So, again, head over to www.peacefullyflawed.com if you want to support in a financial way. If not, please like, comment, share, tell your people about the podcast. Let them know we got to go through something to get somewhere, so we might as well do it together. All right, peace.